0: why don't you continue doing that for a minute how can you praise him too much praise God oh when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah anybody got a soul cry tonight Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, you know, the enemy, he's, he, he just, he's been it a long time. And he knows how to try to discourage and frustrate you and lie to you. Yeah. And, uh, you just have to, you just have to learn how to deal with him. And, uh. One of the greatest things that you could ever do is quit listening to what he's saying to you and start hearing what he's saying about you. I'll let that be your Bible study this week. And you can find that Bible study in the story of Gideon. Gideon still wasn't sure. So God said, go on down to the camp of the enemy and listen to what they're saying about you. So he goes down to the camp of the enemy, and the enemy said, I had a dream and a barley cake come rolling. And another guy came out and said, I got the interpretation. It's none other but the sword of Gideon. That's what the enemy was saying about him. So you gotta quit listening to what he's saying to you and start picking up on what he's saying about you. And here's another thing I like about This is sermon number one. The Bible says in Gideon, he took his servant, fear with him, and they worshiped the Lord and returned back to the camp of Israel, meaning they worshiped God right in the camp of the enemy. Mm. Boy, I like that story. All right, I better not get started. And uh, it's 717. And I'm going to do my best to get you out of here before midnight tonight. (laughs) No, I mean, it'd have to be a move of God like crazy. (laughs) Amen. There was a time maybe I could have done and hung in there, but uh, I'm not as young as I used to be. Amen. So, all right, let's, uh, here's the thing. I said what I did today about I knew what I was going to do this morning. Wasn't quite sure about tonight, and at the end of my message this morning, standing right here, the Lord said, doom, doom, Thank you. That makes my job a whole lot easier. Been a few times I walked to the pulpit I wasn't quite sure, and there's been a few times I wasn't sure, got in it, and I knew it wasn't the right one. But I, I, I'm not. I'm not too embarrassed to tell you. It's not it. I've changed messages right in the middle of one. This ain't it. I missed it. We're going to go in a different direction. Amen. So, amen. I, I want to read from Exodus chapter 23. And I, I feel a minister tonight in a little different way. And uh, I, I tell people jokingly, but serious. I preach to myself and I make everybody listen. And I cannot tell you the times i stood in the pulpit and was just preaching things to myself that God had given me. And uh, so <clears throat> this is just life, and none of us can escape it. And so I'll share with you a few things that uh, God has given me for this hour. Amen. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. Behold... I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Now, I'm going to stop there for the sake of time. I'm going to send an angel before you. He's going to keep you in the way, and he's going to bring you into the place I have prepared. Mm. So I've not only prepared a place, but I'm going to send you what you need to get you there. I like that. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight, and uh, would you feel slighted if I didn't scream tonight? I mean, would that make you mad? According to the IRS, you can't get a refund on your offering, so we can't give you a refund. (laughs) I want to talk to you about from place to place from place to place Father thank you thank you for your spirit that we've felt in this service thank you for your people that have gathered together have come to your house to worship and to magnify you God we honor you we honor you tonight as it's already been in the songs, all that you've done for us let us honor you and give you praise for your wonderful works and acts we thank you for this service. I pray your anointing. I take authority in the name of Jesus. Confirm your word now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now hang on. Why are you being seated? Turn to somebody next to you and say, I hate change. I don't think anybody lied I'm just going to tell you the older I get the more I despise change (laughs) I, I just I pack my own suitcase you know I don't wanna get somewhere and somebody leave something out of my suitcase and me get all mad. So I packed my own suitcase. Huh? And uh, I got somewhere here a few years ago and I'd forgot my little toiletry bag. Now I'm gonna tell you, I've used the same deodorant for years. I mean, not one time that's lasted for years. I've I seen where your mind was going with that. I'd buy the same kind of deodorant that I've bought for years. I use some today. And, uh, you know, I got there, and, man, the, the flight had been delayed. I get to the room. There's a guy out there waiting for me, trying to get me to the meeting. And I called down to him. I said, Sir, would you be so kind? There's a Walgreens across the street. Can you run over there and pick me up? And I saw, told him what I wanted. he came come back. He didn't get anything that I told him to get. He, everything was different. And it, I almost backslid that day. <laughs> now, I've changed toothpaste since then, but for years I used close-up toothpaste. I use it a lot because you wouldn't have to worry about the little white, Toothpaste residue. Amen. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Amen. And uh, I've used the same kind of deodorant, shampoo. And, uh, man, he got me. He said, they just didn't have what you wanted. I mean, I I, I hate change. I'm just telling you I'm to the point to where. And uh, I, I, I could go on for a while about that. And uh, I sleep on the same side of the bed if I go to a room or whatever and the plugs are not on the side that I like to sleep on. And I use a CPAP machine, so i got to have it plugged in. And I'm telling you, when I have to sleep on the other side, it it just messes with me. Like last night, I had to sleep on the other side. And I mean, it's... (laughs) I don't know why some of you think this is so funny because you're about as bad as I am. And uh, <clears throat> don't you hate it when somebody comes along and tries to tell you how to do something different? Okay, is there any honest folks here tonight? I don't need you to tell me how to do this. I, me- <laughs> I remember the first time I preached for Brother Ewing, and I said, I've never eaten crawfish. And i heard about it, but I'd like to go. So he said, okay. Well, so he took me down to a place and ordered a lot. And, and he said, now, Bubba, I'm going to have to show you how to eat them because if you don't know how to eat them, you can eat yourself hungry. So he showed me a little trick and all that stuff and all. And trust me, as much time as I spent in Lake Charles and as many meals that I had with Brother Ewing, I got to be a pretty good master at peeling crawfish. And I was preaching for Brother Craft years ago. I was preaching for Brother Craft, and they had a crawfish boil after church, and was sitting there, and there's a couple neighbors of his sitting there, and they was eating craw. And, man, they I was eating five crawfish to their one. I mean, you can tell. <laughs> and... <laughs> And so, I, uh, I I looked down at the table. I mean, they had it everywhere, and I said, "Hey, guys, no, you know." And so I showed them. Looked back up. They're still. And and you know, out of compassion and kindness, I said, "No, I, I showed you." And I heard one of them mumble, "I don't need anybody from Oklahoma telling me how to eat crawfish." All right, you stupid redneck. Go ahead and eat whatever you want to eat, how you want to eat it. I I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. Amen. And uh, you know, it, we just we don't like it. The Sunday before COVID, uh, I woke up. Now, this is kind of unusual. Uh not that I woke up. <laughs> but I, I, I get between... Almost being awake and conscious, In that in-between state. And I cannot tell you the times that God has spoke to me right there. I think he does it before my brain gets engaged. And, uh, and God speaks to me usually there. Or he speaks to me in a dream. And uh, so... I try to sleep a lot. I want to give him plenty of time to talk to me. Reason why he don't talk to some of you is because you're only sleeping three or four hours a night. You need to stay in bed just a little longer and sleep a little longer and he might give you a dream. And uh, the Sunday before, (laughs) one word, changeability. Come to, and I was like, "Oh!" So I got up. And I said, "I hope it's a word." So I got up, started looking at it. It just simply means, "Do you have the ability, ability to change?" And I knew in the spirit that something was about to happen. I didn't know what it was, but something's about to happen. And when I was studying it out that morning, this is what I felt was: if you don't have the ability to change and adjust to what's coming, you'll be broken. Mm. So I got up, I preached that Sunday. One of the men in the church come to me after service. He said, Brother Morgan, you're not known for beating around the bush. You usually say what you, you know, but what were you really trying to say today? I felt like you were kind of dancing around it. I said, well, I can only tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost. And, uh, it's something's coming and it's going to demand a lot of change. Well, here we are. So during this time, I've tried to inquire of the Lord and I've tried to get some answers for myself. And this was, uh, this was in November. I'm going to tell you how this has kind of been a sequence. This was November prior to... uh, I'm just going to talk to you. This was November prior to uh, COVID. And I was seeking God. I was needing an answer. I was serving as the district superintendent at the time of the Western District. And uh, I I just needed an answer. I didn't know if I should continue or not. just needed an answer. And uh, so... Taking it to prayer. I called Brother Bernard and told him, Brother Bernard, I'm really considering resigning as superintendent. I need an answer. And uh, so <clears throat> I, I was praying, seeking God. And uh I uh there's a lady in Lake Charles, Louisiana by the name of Gwen Porsche. Gwen's a, a a very powerful woman of prayer. God has used her. She was Brother Ewing's prayer director there in the church and just a very submitted, powerful person. And so she called me and actually sent a text and said, I need you to call. I just left the district office telling a couple people, I feel like maybe I should do this. I just need a confirmation. And so uh, I know when Sister Gwen sends a message like that that, you know, I, I I need to communicate. So I called, and she uh, proceeded to tell me. Uh, we got to the end of it, and I'll go back to the, what she originally said. We got to the end of it, and I said, Sister Gwen, I need you to pray about something. She said, What's that? I said, I need you to pray about some district. And that's all I got out of my mouth. And she said, Oh, Brother Morgan, the Lord just spoke something to me. Can I? tell you what he said. And I said, sure you can. And so she spoke some things and it was the confirmation of the answer that I needed. And so I'm free. Amen. (laughs) Ain't nothing like dealing with preachers. (laughs) And so I, uh, the first part of it was brother Morgan, I was in Alamogordo, New Mexico, was in a prayer conference in, this lady that has been connected for years from Alamogordo that was, and her and Sister Gwen were praying that day. And she said, Brother Morgan, I, uh, I, she said, I've been in the presence of angels before. But she said, this angel, when he come in, she said, I cannot tell you the all of this angel and the respect that I had she said it was so overwhelming that she said I was literally almost afraid to move now I'm not trying to be mystical here tonight but angels are a part of the whole kingdom and so she said man we just kept praying and she said it was just so strong and she said finally I got up and went to the other room and asked God, What is this? What's going on? And she said, The other lady in the original room began to say, He's come to take us to a prepared place. And so, Sister Gwen, as her MO is, she went to the scripture to find out if the scripture confirmed what she felt like God was saying. And this was the verse in the text. She said, Brother Morgan, there is a strong angel coming from God in the near future. He'll be sent to the people of God to get them to the place that God is preparing for them. We're going to need him. It's going to be important that he's with us. She said, but just as much, she said, the warning from God is the same warning that he gave Joshua and them. My name is in him, which means he has my authority. Don't provoke him. Don't make him mad. Now your fathers provoked me. They provoked me. Hebrews tells you about it. That God had prepared this place for them. And they, when they got to Kadesh Barnea, they said, yeah, there's, there's giants and we're like grasshoppers. but But the problem was, is when they said, that our little ones will be prey to them. Meaning that our offspring, our young, cannot live in that environment or that culture and survive. And it just really provoked God. So he says none of those men, none of them, are going to go in. Now, the little ones that they said would fall prey, they're going to go in, but not the elders. Now, don't just try to be disrespectful. They're not going in. Forty and above, they're not going in. How many know the story? Hebrews tells you they did not enter into the rest. They did not enter into this prepared place. Now, a lot of times when you look at prepared places... Uh, it's a little different. Uh, God called me to the state of California in 1997. If I was just going to wake up and pick a place to go, it wouldn't have been California, especially the Bay Area and the cost of living. Uh, Right now, the median cost of a home in the city is anywhere from $1.5 to $1.7 And uh, it's just crazy. I can remember the dream that God gave me. And I seen a man standing on a mountain, and the voice in the dream said, look to the San Bruno Mountain. And I turned to my right. There's a mountain there, and it's like a a telescopic lens focused on the top of it. And there was a man standing there, and he cupped his hands, and he says, San Francisco. I got up the next morning. Now, I'm living in Mulgee, Oklahoma. And we're at the kitchen table, and I tell my wife, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. She said, what's that? I said, we may be moving to San Francisco. And true to nature, well, okay, if that's what God wants, that's where we'll go. And so I said, well, I'll know if it's from God if there's a San Bruno Mountain. And so I did a little research and found out that, yes, there's a San Bruno Mountain. Matter of fact, presently today I live on the side of the San Bruno Mountain. And so I went, uh, see, you don't get to pick your promised land. It's not left up to you to pick your promised land. And so I get there, and I mean, it's it's been quite a journey. And, uh, you know, the, the, the politics and the corruption and... Of course, it's not just California. It's all over now. And on and on the list goes. And so now when, when it happened, this is okay. So when it happened, I called old Sister Snow. I said, "Now, Sister Snow, I said, uh, I feel like God is talking to me about something. And she said, oh, you're talking about San Francisco. <laughs> I'm like, my God, I don't. I'm trying to talk myself out of this. And she said, what's the problem? And I said, uh, I, uh, I've been looking at it, and uh, it's you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah, and i got two teenage girls and a four-year-old little boy. See, what I did know is I was saying the same thing to God that those people were saying. I don't think my kids can survive in this culture. And Sister Noah uh, so said, the Lord said, go, he'll take care of your kids. Is there something else? I said, yeah, the cost of living, there's giants in the land. And She starts laughing at me. I mean, you know, I, I don't mind laughing a little bit, but she'd laughed a lot. <laughs> and I mean, she just kept laughing. I said, what's well, funny? She said, you are. And I said, What am I so funny about? She said, You're just funny. Yeah, well, I'm not about to be funny. And I said, So what am I so funny about? She said, I'll tell you what you're funny about. She said, When you said how much it costs to live there, she said, I seen God break out in a sweat. She said, it's easy for him to give you $3, but he has trouble giving you 3000000 million." million. Isn't that correct? I said, well, no. She said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, you can believe God take care of you in Old Mogi. But she said, he can't take care of you in San Francisco? Man. So, if you, during this course time and all this stuff happened in the last couple of years... God began to deal with me very strongly about this and said, uh, uh, you're your promised land. And then I got to asking God why that little geographical area along the Mediterranean Sea, why is it so important? I mean, why, why couldn't the promised land be anywhere? So I did a little study on it and found out that it's, it's pretty interesting because the trade route going from Europe into Africa and going from that part of the country, the world over into the Far East, it all had to pass through Israel. And so what God was saying is, is I'm going to put my one God covenant people, I'm going to place you strategically where the world will have to pass by and see who you are, who you worship, That's why it's your promised land. And so I started telling God, well, you know, have you ever seen the things we're battling with? And, and uh, man, if I had time and I don't, I'd go into all the Canaanites and everything they represented and the perversion and stuff and all. And I mean, the descendants. And it's just, a, it's quite a study and, and all this stuff. And he said, uh, I said, you know, all this perversion stuff in, in this state, and especially in the Bay Area. And he said, yeah, and it's your promised land. Well, couldn't you pick a little easier promised land (laughs) it's your promised land I'm giving this to you and uh, I want you to know that I've prepared this place Hmm. well couldn't you have prepared it without giants couldn't you have prepared it without walled cities couldn't you have done that nope that's your promised land and oh by the way I'm going to send an angel before you. Here's what's interesting to me is the Bible calls him the Lord of hosts. Most of the time we only teach that as he's the Lord, the captain over the angelic host. It's, he, that's his host. But I found out uh, that's not all it includes. It includes, host includes not just angels, but it includes creation. It includes It includes nature even down to the atoms. This is what hosts in detail. So here's the deal. What he's saying is, is I, I can use any part of creation that I want to use in nature as a part of my army. And so I, I can use the elements as a part of my army. Sisra, the stars in their course, and the brook Kidron fought against you. And then he tells Moses and all them, I'll send insects to drive them out. That's a part of my army. I know it's your promised land, but I'm the Lord of hosts. I've got quite an army to help you get to your promised land. I've got an angel to help you to your promised land. I've been over here preparing a place for you to get you to your promised land. Just don't provoke me and don't provoke him. By telling me you can't get there. Ooh, it's quiet. Don't do it. And so here we are. I believe that there's a lot of things that are happening, and it's God preparing some things for the church. We may not see it that way, but as I tried to preach this morning about what's troubled, this is God's arena. When it all started, it started with chaos, whether you understand that or not. God has always brought a new world order out of chaos. The whole world was in chaos, and then God said, let there be. And things start falling into place. So there's always a time of chaos, and it appears to be chaotic. But in the midst of the chaos and the chaotic, your God is actually in that chaos... Preparing something and getting something ready for you to occupy and something to give you dominion over. Woo, hallelujah. And so this is this is God's order. This is God's plan. Now, I, I could take a lot of time tonight, and I'm not. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. I could talk about when they come into the place, when they got to the land of promise, God told them, he said, "Now I'm not going to give it all to you at one time. I'm going to give you little by little. And and here's what's so interesting about all of that is the first four places that Joshua and them went to is the place of Abraham's altars. So when Abraham went into the land of Canaan and built altars, he's not just building an altar to worship and to sacrifice, but he's also establishing a covenant with the land that's there. And our God owns this, and this is our territory, and this is our land. So when they come into the land of promise, Joshua and the conquest, when they come into it, it's there that they begin to visit. God said, little by little. I'm not going to give it to you all at one time. You couldn't handle all of it at one time. But I will take you from place to place to place. Praise God. Oh, I I could use just a little help here right now. Amen. Amen. This is God's way. This is God's order from place to place. Now, uh, you know, I I wish that God could have given me everything he ever planned for me and won some total, but that's not quite the way that it works. And uh, he gives it to you incrementally. He just gives you a piece of it here. And then down the road somewhere, he gives you another piece. It's the same way with prophecy. I'm not trying to preach to you tonight. I'm trying to speak to you in the Holy Ghost. It's the same way with prophecy. He gives you a part. He gives you a piece. Then later down the road, he gives you another piece. And then he gives you another piece. And then he gives you another piece. And a lot of people don't understand that. And so they get to one piece of the puzzle. They stop there and try to say this is the conclusion. This is the sum total of the matter. But it's not the sum total of the matter. It's only a part of the equation. Somebody said amen. Now, you know, you could talk. I mean, there's just a lot. Jacob, Joshua, all of them, even Jesus. They went from place to place to place to place. And all of them have spiritual significance. And if we was in a Bible study, I'd cover all that. But I'm not in a Bible study. Now, Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples. And it starts in the 13th chapter of John. I'm going to go away before long. Well, tell us where you're going. Um. Uh, no, no, it's not time for that. 14th chapter. Uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me also. And he starts talking about in my father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you. I'm going to come help you to get to that place. And so here's the thing, just don't let your hearts be troubled. Now the problem is I preached this morning, and I left this part of it out, thank God that I did, because it fits really good right here, is the fact of it is when we start into this, the first thing that Jesus says is, let not your hearts be troubled. Mm. This is our battle, and this is our dilemma. I don't care who it is, I don't care where you come from, any time that he starts speaking to you and he starts disrupting your life with this, I'm preparing you another place. The tendency, the human tendency, is to let your hearts be troubled. You don't understand it. You can't figure it out. You feel vulnerable. Okay, all right. Where's, uh, where's the guy I picked on this morning? Is he not here tonight? Backslider, I tell you right now. Okay, which one of you wants to be the, <clears throat> come on, come on, okay, stop right there, stop right there, now you just stay right there until I tell you what to do, okay, you okay, doing good, comfortable? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Now, don't get smart up here. I'll catch the devil out of you. Are your parents here tonight? One of them. Which parent? Oh, okay. I just want to make sure before I start picking on you that your dad or mom don't come over and whip me after church or something. Amen. Now. I wish that I could tell you that going from place to place is easy, but it's not. I wish to tell you that transitions are easy, but they're not. They're not. All right, now I want you to stand there. Got both feet level. Now here's what the psalmist said. He said, my feet stand in an even place. The first thing, one of the first things that teach you in the military would be keep your feet level. If you get one foot above another, put one foot up and put it on that first step. See, it's, it's a little easier for me to knock you over right there because your feet aren't level. you know You're out of balance right now. So it's easier, and that's what that's what they were teaching people about warfare is keep your feet level. That way they can't breach your lines, knock you over. It's a little harder. So the first thing is, is once this transition or this going from place to place starts, you're automatically vulnerable. Can I just be real with y'all tonight? You're you just automatically vulnerable. You feel it. Everything's out of po- Now, here is the message. David calls a prophet and he says, uh, Hey, listen, I would like to build God a house. And the prophet said, Do it. Do what's in your heart. The prophet goes home and the prophet said, Oh, go back and tell David. I got a word for him. And so he goes back to David. He says, when did I ever ask anybody to build me a house? I've never asked anybody to build me a house. Now watch the terminology. I have always gone from tent to tent, from tabernacle to tabernacle. Because God is a God of movement. You want to put me in something that's permanent. But I'm moving. <clears throat> oh boy. Oh boy. I'm going to have fun right now. See, here's the deal. Right now, you're nothing but a tabernacle. You're nothing but a tabernacle. You you better sit down here a second because I'm going to throw a stick of dynamite out here right now. You're, you're, You're nothing but a tabernacle. Tabernacles, you can tear down. You can move them. Temples, you can't. See, you're a tabernacle right now. When it says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was, and all that stuff in 14 verses, and the word was made flesh, it literally translates, and the word tabernacled itself in flesh. And it's all going back to Isaiah. When Isaiah said he would have no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. So when you look at the tabernacle, there's nothing physically appealing about the tabernacle that would make you think that it was God's house nothing there i mean it was red ugly badger skin and so this is what isaiah said he has no form nor that we should desire him but on the tabernacle you always watch for a witness of the spirit cloud by day pillar of fire by night and so when jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism the Bible says that the spirit descended like unto a dove and the heavens opened and the voice says, this is my son in whom I am pleased. You are my son. Different, different gospel writers recorded just a little different. That is the witness of the spirit because if you looked at Jesus... He didn't look any different than any of the Hebrew man standing there being baptized that day. There would be nothing physically appealing about him that would catch your attention and say, Oh, he's so ruggedly handsome. He's got to be the Messiah. Nope. That wasn't what it was. He was the tabernacle of God among men. And you have to watch for the witness of the Spirit. Praise God. Same thing happened to you the night that you got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it did. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Tongues is the witness of the Spirit. Just as the heavens opened above Jesus and said, This is my Son, which is a spiritual utterance. This is where, oh boy, I I don't need to. This is where John says, uh, If we receive the witness of men, it's great, but the witness of God is greater, which he hath testified of his Son. There's only two places that God ever testified of his Son. That's in the waters of baptism, and that's on the Mount of Transfiguration. So when he bears witness of sonship in the waters of baptism, he opens the heavens. The Holy Ghost comes descending like a dove, which is also perfect typology that's coming from Noah going into the ark. And by water, water is going to take him from the old world to the new world. And the way that he knew there was a new world was that the dove Returns back with an olive branch in his mouth, and so when Jesus goes into the waters of baptism, he's showing a new creature and a new creation. He's and you do the same. You go from this old world to a new world, and then the Holy Ghost comes descending like a dove, and then there's a spiritual utterance saying, "This is my son." So the moment that you received the Holy Ghost and you were baptized, the Spirit bore witness of you. And when you went to talking in tongues, that was the Spirit telling everybody around you. I know they don't look any different than any other human being. But trust me, that's my tabernacle. I live there now. That's the tabernacle. They tear it down, cloud, move, then move. You don't tear down temples and move them. Isn't it amazing that he's the tabernacle of God among men? And even Peter says, I want to put off this old tabernacle, even as Jesus showed me how to do it. But when you get to heaven, it's not a tabernacle. It's a temple. It's permanent now. There's no movement of it. Nope. This is as far as it's going. It's done. It's permanent. Our mistake is we try to make things permanent here. Get back up here. See, the great apostle Paul says, from glory to glory, until ultimately you are a permanent, which is glorification. This is more like a Bible study, I'm afraid. Now, up here is the end of the journey for you. That's glorification. That's as far as you can get. But in order for God to get you there, he starts you down here. And then he takes you from glory. See, this is God. He's always going from to. He lets you get to this. He lets you stay there for a while. And you get to enjoying it. You feel pretty secure about it. It's predictable. You have comfort there. Oh, come on. I've been at this a long time. I know exactly. I'm preaching to everybody in this building right now. And you want to stop right there. And you want to make it permanent. I like it right here. See, this is our problem. Are you ready for it? When all this COVID stuff hit, the church, that's what it was trying to do. It was trying to lock itself into a position and just say, we, we want this to be permanent. The economy was good. We had, I'm not here to get in politics. We had a president we thought was pro-Christian, pro Israel. So we were all happy about that. And so we liked it. Everything was great. And we wanted to stop right there. And we wanted to camp right there. And we wanted to make it permanent. And so a lot of us went into COVID saying, we're just waiting on God to take us right back to that permanent place. I hate to tell you, it's over. It's over. And listen to me, we're struggling with it. We're having a battle with it. Because we want to make that a permanent place. Let's just camp there. Let's make it permanent. And God says, it's not permanent yet. You're going from glory to glory. I need you to go from where you're at to this place that I have prepared for you. Woo! And quit letting your hearts be troubled. Why wouldn't I be troubled? Because he said... I'm going to send an angel before you, and oh, hey, by the way, in the New Testament, I'll come and receive you unto myself. He's telling the disciples, I'm not going to leave you down there by yourself to get to where I need you to go. I'm going to come help you. I'll be the comforter to you. I'm going to come help you. And so anytime time that God starts troubling everything, I mean, as long as everything's fine and you're right there, you don't, you don't want to move. Is this too real for everybody? I don't want to move. You don't want to move. I like it here. And God said, nope, I need you to take a step. I don't want to take a step. I don't like being vulnerable. And the second thing is, lift your leg up start for that. Now, you know what you're doing? You're fighting something called the law of nature. You know what that is? Gravity. You keep them feet planted there. There's no resistance. But the moment you started to lift that right leg of yours, gravity started fighting against you. Nature started fighting against you. So automatically you start feeling vulnerable. And then the next thing is you've got resistance. Automatic resistance. And that's what we don't like. And when the resistance comes and the vulnerability comes, we want to freeze right there. Just leave me alone. I know what this is. I'm comfortable right here. I have security right here. Am I preaching to anybody here besides myself tonight? And I just just leave me alone, preacher. God, just please leave me alone. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. And he knows how to mess with your stuff. He knows how to shake that world of yours right there. No, put your foot back down. You want to stay right there, but you know what? I'm God, and I'm not going to let you stay right there. And I'm going to keep shaking your world until you get the message. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I know there's giants, and I know there's all kinds of crazy stuff in this next place. But trust me, I'm going to be there with you. I was with you bringing you, when you started the journey, I was with you in Egypt, and I took you through the waters of baptism. When you come to the wilderness, was not my glory there? Did not sustain you there? Did not take care of you there? You think I was going to take you to the promised land and forsake you? No. No. I don't do that. Every place I take you to, a couple of things you need to remember: I'm already there. <clears throat> How old are you? No, I'm Seventeen. 17? I'm gonna preach. You, I'm gonna teach you something. To Seventeen. You ready? You see, prophecy. Prophecy is God's ability <clears throat> to allow you to see some tomorrows. Can I, can I just, the deal is, is uh, there's three parts of you. There's body, soul, and spirit. There's three components to the tabernacle, outer court, holy place, holy of holies. The outer court was where the altar is that deals with your flesh. The holy place deals with your emotional arena. The holy of holies is spiritual. It's calm. you're to be sanctified. The God of peace is to sanctify you, body, soul, and spirit. So a lot of us, we fail to realize that. So on this side of the veil, you're in time. You're a creature of time. You're affected by time. I'm going to take from an old, old message. We went to, uh, we went to, uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, this is years ago. And they used to have a replica. They had the passion play. You better sit back down for a minute. They had this passion play. And, uh, and then they had this replica of the tabernacle. And so we, we had a big bus of Pentecostals, and so we went over there. And when we got there, we were the only ones taking the tour. And so this uh, <clears throat> retired rabbi was giving us the tour. And so we get into it, and, boy, we're going to impress this rabbi. You know, we're all one God folks. And so one of the men in the group said, this layer of water, <clears throat> what uh, what does it represent? And this, he said, first of all, I have to sign a deal that I cannot discuss doctrine or religion with you people. So, oh. He said, but I can say by looking at you and your women and knowing who you are, you not only know what it's for, you know what name it's done in. I'm like, whoa. So we get inside, and we're standing there before the veil, and I'm going to ask this deep theological question. I said, sir, is there any history of a priest going into the Holy of Holies unclean and dying and them having to drag him out with the rope. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. When I said it, he looked at me and said, that's Gentile mythology. No, the rope. We Pentecostals preach a rope. There has to be a rope. He said, show me the rope in the scripture. I don't remember reading about it, but we preach it so it's got to be right. Uh Uh-oh. He said, there is no rope. What? I said, yeah, the rope. You know, he went in there, pomegranates and bells, as long as he's in there and he's alive, you know, they could hear the bells jingling and all the stuff and all, and they knew the same. He said, that didn't happen like that. It's a lie. And I said, well, what happens if he got in there unclean? This is what the man said. It was impossible for him to get in there unclean. What? He said, yeah. I said, what do you mean it's impossible? He said, you show me in your scripture an opening in the veil. I said, what? He said, where is the opening in the veil? He said, that veil's three inches thick. It's stretched across, silver rings to the post. He went through the whole deal. He said, I don't find anywhere in the scripture that there's an opening in it. I said, you've got to be joking me. I said, how did he get in there? It's three inches thick. He said, he's transported through the veil. So what do you mean he's transported through the veil? He said, I mean one minute he's standing on this side and the next minute he's standing on the other side. What? No, can't get the rope through the veil? He said, You need to go study this. So I did. Now, I'm not making this a doctrine. So I go to Hebrews, having passed through the veil that is his flesh. Come on. Come here. See, there's, uh, oh, God, I can't believe I'm doing this tonight. There's, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, six paces David went. He offered sacrifice, fatling, and oxen, dancing before the Lord with all of his might. Why does it specifically, I'm going to teach you something right here. Why does it specifically say six paces? Okay. Now, I'm really going to be impressed if you know the answer. <laughs> but I'm going to give you the answer. You ready for it? Yeah. Say six Six is the number of man. It's the number of man. 666 six, six is not a big rubber stamp I'm going to put on your forehead. 666 okay. six, six means humanity has got almost to divine completion, but you're still short. So six steps, that's, that's man. It's that's as far as he can go. You know how many points there is from the time the priest steps through the tavern or the, the gate coming in to he's standing there before the veil with, la- with the laver of blood and a burning censer in the hand? He's in the sixth position of his ministry right there. He's gone as far as flesh would allow him to go and the next step is a divine step. It's where all of a sudden you go through the veil of your flesh and you come out of time and you go through the veil of your flesh and you step over into God's eternal world. Does that make sense to you? Okay, we're not done. I'm going to teach you something else. See, I used to think about the rapture. Anybody know about the rapture? I used to think, you know, God, if we could just have some little trial runs at the rapture, I'd really like to know I'm ready. <laughs> you don't think those kind of thoughts? I mean, that's the kind of stuff I have in my brain. You know, if we could just have a couple little trial runs, I'd just like to know. He said, you do have trial runs at it. I said, Really? He said, yeah, every day of your life you have a little trial rapture. I do? Now I'm fixing to simplify this for everybody, okay? What I'm talking about, the old timers used to use it for a fix-all. You having problems, you know what they'd say? You just need to pray through. And we've got away from that, but there's a lot of truth to you praying through. Because on this side of the veil, you're dealing out of your own intellect, your own understanding, your own energy, and all that stuff. But when you pray through and you get on the other side, hmm. now am I making sense? See, the rapture is where you go through the veil of your flesh, and you never have to come back this way. You've transcended time into eternity. I'm about done. You've transcended time into eternity, right? That's, that's the rapture we're talking about. The rapture I'm talking about is every day of your life, young man. God gives you the ability to pray beyond your flesh. To step out of that place that the flesh wants you to occupy. The flesh does not want you getting to that place. Because as long as the flesh can trap you there, it's going to wear you out. You're, you cannot take it emotionally. Are you listening to me? You can't take it emotionally. You can't take it physically. This is where the enemy will wear you out. But what he he wants you to make it permanent. Don't ever pray through. Don't ever get past that flesh of yours. I want you to always live on this side of the veil. Because if I can keep you on this side of the veil, I'll win. I'll wear you out. But if you ever get on the other side of the veil... You step over into God's eternal realm and God starts showing you your tomorrows and he starts showing you things that are not as though they already are. Oh, praise God. I'm I'm about about done, I'm about done. You learn anything? Good, good. Now, your flesh is your biggest battle? I get tickled people all the time. I just want to get in the arena with the Prince of the City. That's not your biggest enemy. First of all, he don't even know you exist until you get past your flesh. I remember the last store conference, Doctor Hughes. Was telling us the devil. He said, I'll, "I'll tell you where the devil is. Look at him every morning in the mirror." Yeah. <laughs> that went real well with a lot of Pentecostals. <laughs> you got to have a devil, and your biggest battle's not the devil. Your biggest battle is this old flesh of yours. Are you listening? In your own understanding, and you wanting to stay right there and make it permanent. And then the Holy Ghost says, no, I'm going to have to trouble some things for you. Life's gone along real great, wonderful. One phone call, one driver crossing the center line, one doctor's report, and all of a sudden that place that you've enjoyed is troubled now. And you're begging God to let you stay there and to keep it permanent. And God says, no, I've already prepared the next place for you. And I just need you to take the next step and to get beyond your own understanding. That's all I need you to do. Can I I go a little further? You know, sometimes I think I get paid by the hour. I've been right at an hour, so I'm going. You better sit down, buddy. What is the next step? That's the big question. Where am I going? I wish God would always just, uh, okay, Mark, this is where I'm taking you. This is how you're going to get there. This is what's over there. Once you see everything, I've never had that luxury. He's just kind of like with the disciples. I'm going away to prepare. Well, where are you going? I'm not going to tell you right now. I'm just going to prepare a place for you. you. You just get ready. I'm going to come get you. Just don't let your hearts be troubled. And that's the problem right there is when he's kind of void where we're at and he's over in another place preparing it for you, That's really messes with you, doesn't it? Where are you at? Why, why are you leaving me here? What's going on? Okay, I'm just preaching to myself because I'm telling you all through this COVID, God's been dealing with me about certain places to go and, and talking to me about stuff and all. And I'm just telling you, my old flesh struggles against it. My, my carnal nature doesn't like it. I want to camp right here. I don't want to change. I don't want to move. I just would kind of like to get through this. Has anybody else really know what I'm talking about right now? And if we hold our breath long enough, perhaps this will pass and everything will be fine. And we won't have to get vaccinated and the pandemic will leave. I hate to tell you. But if we get through this and we don't get to the place that God's calling us to get to, something else is coming pretty quick down the road. Because this whole thing is about God getting his church from where you want to camp to where he needs you to go. And for you just being a good Pentecostal church, do you operating? I think I preached this at your prayer deal. Do, you, do you operating as the kingdom of God wants you to operate? And so we're in a transition right now. Churches are in a transition. Ministries are in a transition. But I've learned one thing about God. I may not understand it. I may not be able to comprehend it all. But I've learned to trust him. I don't like it. I'm kicking against it, but I trust you. You know the way that I take. I'm looking around. I can't hardly see you, but you know the way that I take. And I know when I get to the next place, it's going to be a pretty good place. Mm. Am I preaching to anybody besides myself here tonight? I, I I just don't like it. I don't like it. I don't. I was kinda enjoying where I was at. I was kinda enjoying it, and then all of a sudden, stuff stuff, crazy stuff. Hey, my wife's name's down. down. yeah, I having a little trouble breathing, uh okay. Uh, And it kept getting worse. And then some of that old anxiety set back in. And then I'm sitting on a Sunday morning up about where Brother Hughes is sitting on a Sunday morning. And I turn around and my wife was sitting directly behind me. And I said, I don't feel good. She said, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. You've been through this. I said, no, this is different. I said, I don't feel good. And so I woke up to the pulpit. I stand behind the pulpit. And I got so weak. I start trembling, and the church recognized, oh, something's wrong. And so they flooded to the front and started praying for me. And, you know, us big, tough, macho guys, you know, I'm okay now. Everything's fine. I'm going to preach. Bless God. I'm called to preach. I'm going to preach. And so I preached my, tried to preach. <laughs> I get home. I hadn't slept in days. Couldn't sleep at night. I was suffocating. And then so I, I I preached, got home that night, and I told my wife, I said, God's got to do something. I've, I've believed him for years. I've seen people healed. He's got to heal me of this. I don't even know what's going on. I tried to sleep that night and I couldn't sleep. Five o'clock the next morning. I'd walked out and was out in the little, was living in a little old condo at the time, and I walked in that little living room and charity, my oldest daughter, come out, and she's getting ready to go to work. Her little business. And she says, You okay, Dad? I said, No, I don't I don't feel good. She said, have you been to bed at all? I said, I can't sleep. And my poor wife, man, she, I mean, that night it was, she, she I, I'd look up and she'd just be staring at her. Are you okay? I said, I, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Whew. I'll be okay. So about 11 o'clock that morning, I said, I don't know how much more of this I can do. And, uh, so I, t- I went in the bedroom, and I begged God to heal me. Please heal me, God. How can I do Your work without my strength? I need You to heal me. <clears throat> I didn't lift. I come out, <clears throat> told my wife and family. I said, uh, "I think I'm gonna have to go to the hospital. I don't. I'm not. I'm not feeling good." So they take me down to the hospital, and they run some tests and doctor told my wife, she said, he said, you brought him in just in time. Your husband's been having a heart attack. And uh, we're going to run some tests. And so they started running tests. And we're going to put in three stents. So they put in three stents. And you're going to feel better after this. And so I didn't get better. It started getting worse. And uh, they started running all these tests. And I'm telling you, they stuck cameras down my throat. and Finally, they found it said, uh, you've got a, a valve that's leaking, your mitral valve that's leaking in. We're going to go through your side. Is this okay if I tell you this stuff? We're go- I'm talking about when God, you know, you blame everything on the devil. <clears throat> Better be careful what you're rebuking. And so, doctor, we're going to go through your side. We're going to repair it. We think we can repair it. And uh, it's not as invasive and so on. Okay. So, you know, I, I went out with that, and so my doctor, uh, who is one of the leading surgeons in the nation, really, his name's Hong Lee, and uh, <clears throat> he they got in there. They couldn't repair it, so they had to replace it, so they got it done, and then they, I was bleeding out somewhere, and they couldn't find it. And he told my wife, said, we were losing him, and said, so, so we had to open him up. And so we got in there, and we've, what we found was is the camera didn't pick this up. The main valve was the one that was leaking. And so we've had to do surgery, and that surgery ended up for hours. I mean, it was, it was a deal. So, you know, I come to thinking I got this, you know. No, here's a pillow. It's going to be your best friend for the next few weeks. And, and uh, I laid there, and just complications after complication. And I leave there, God, what are you doing? What in the world's going on? I got it. I'm going to get you to the next place. So they finally got me out, and I was, <laughs> I was in the little wheelchair out there, and my wife was pulling up, and my surgeon seen me out there, and he come out there. He walked up to me, and he said, uh, <clears throat> I need you to do me a favor. Can you do it? I said, sure. He said, I don't know what's going on. But whatever it is you're supposed to do, you need to go do it. Lord spoke to me two things in six weeks of recovery, spoke to me two things. I thought in this downtime it'd just be one thing after another, two things. First one was I was with you in that operating room, and your surgeon discerned it. He told my cardiologist, I don't know what it is about that man. But there's something spiritual about him. That was the first thing. The second thing that God showed me was, in a dream, I was in a church parking lot. And I was on my knees praying. And all of a sudden, I started bending backwards. And he just kept bending further backwards. <clears throat> and it was actually becoming painful. And physically, I, I, I cried out like I did in the dream. My wife woke up and thought, oh, God, here we go again. And as I was in the dream, the Lord spoke to me and said, I will bend you like a bow for my use. Your resistance, I'm going to bend it. I'll bend you like a bow. Mm. I'll bend you like a bow. I don't like it. Didn't understand it. Hated it. Then all the stupid medicine they put you on, and everything that's going on, and all the stuff and all. I've had the enemy come to me and say, you're done. You're through. You've gone as far as you can go. You don't have the physical health. Then I have the Lord speak to me and say, now I prepare this. I got this. I know where I'm taking you. I'm going to transition you from one ministry to another. I'm about to move you in things that I promised you years and years ago. This is my way and this is my process. When you get there, you'll know. (coughs) You didn't get there by yourself. The only way that you could get there is by my grace and by my strength. And I'm preaching to a lot of you in this building, and I'm preaching to this church right now, that you'd really like to stay in this place. And I wish I could tell you tonight that God will let you. But I can't lie to you. He's not going to let you. And he'll keep shaking the church. Are you hearing me? He'll keep shaking stuff. And he'll keep stirring stuff. And he'll keep troubling stuff until we're willing to take the next step. Okay, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? But I'm telling this church, what's the name of this church? Greater Life? Is that Greater Life? I'm telling Greater Life tonight, God's not going to let you stay where you're at in spite of everybody here that like it's a comfortable place, and I mean that in a good way. It's a secure place. I mean that in a good way. But then all of a sudden God says, but I need you to go to this next place that I've prepared for you. So, well, we're comfortable here. Okay, if you're comfortable, I'm going to help you out. And he starts shaking it. And he starts troubling it. And then we back up the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. And God said, it's not the devil troubling this. I sent an angel to trouble the waters, I trouble the Sabbath, I'm the one doing this. You wouldn't do it the easy way, so we'll do it the hard way. I've been talking to you about this, but you won't listen. I've been whispering this to you in the spirit, but you won't listen. You're so over there on the other side of the veil in the flesh that I can't even communicate with you in the spirit for you to understand what I'm about. I'm prophesying this church right now. You need to let God move you where he needs to move you, and you need to do it in a little easier way. Because what you don't see is, didn't you get up and say 2022, sir? 2022, the next 12 months. See, that's the next place that God wants to take this church. There's a harvest. There's a harvest. I've already seen it. That's why I'm here tonight. That's why I'm here the next two days. I done seen what God wants to do in Houston. I done seen the revival that God wants to give. But I want to tell you something, you, you're not going to get it with where you're at right now. You've got to be willing to take the step, get out of the boat, take the step, move to the next place. I, I need some desperate people here right now. I need some people in this service right now that say, you know what, <clears throat> I'm ready to go to the next place. I, I I kind of been kicking, but I sense now what the Holy Ghost is doing. I need your help tonight, Holy Ghost. Woo! Anybody ready? Anybody hungry for the next place? Anybody desirous? I I don't understand you. I, 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 you know, he's not going to hurt you. Let's pray here, just a second. I, I, I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost right now, and I feel a little struggle in the spirit right now. I feel, I feel a little flesh. They don't want to go beyond the veil. You you really don't want to see the next place. You don't want to see tomorrow because it's, it's, it's frightening to you. But no, he's already there. Come on, I need you to cry out right now. I need this church to cry out right now. I mean, I need you to cry out in the Holy Ghost. I need some old-fashioned travail and crying out to God right now. Woo! Something's trying to happen in the Spirit. Uki, Shatana mahakai, I, I want you to hold it just a second. I want you to hold it just a second. I'm going to tell you one thing that I feel very, very strong in the Holy Ghost, and we'll go back to this. I have to live what I'm about to tell you. I've had to live it. All this stuff, it just everything got turned upside down. And that's when God spoke to me and said, Go back and study every time they start talking about a new world order. It's always after a world a world war or chaos. Huh. Oh, yeah. And said, so I always bring a new order to your life after I permit the chaos to come. And it's out of that chaos that I design your new world order, your world order. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about you, your world order. And so all of a sudden the chaos starts, and things become chaotic.. Whew. And it's God saying, "Just hang on, because I'm about to speak into that chaos. let there be. And I'm going to bring a new order. I'm going to reorder your worlds what I'm going to do.". I'm telling you right now that's what's going on in the Holy Ghost. A lot of your lives, chaos. It's chaotic right now. Stuff just in what in the world's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. God's trying to bring a new world order. He's going to establish some things. So you know what? Let him take it through the process because something great's coming. God is about to speak. Let there be light. Let there be light. I'm prophesying to this church right now the chaos and the chaotic. It's God saying there's a new world order that I'm about to establish. (laughs) You've lived in your old world long enough. You're secure in that world. I'm about to bring you into something else right now. God's God is desirous to move this church to the next dimension of harvest and revival. Now I need you to go back to crying out to God and saying, Lord, out of this chaos and this trouble that's been in my life, I need you to establish what you need to establish. I need you to take me where I really need to go. I need you to do in my life what really needs to be done. I've not understood it. I've questioned it. I've been confused about it. Come on, anybody else? I've been confused about it. But you know what? You're working right now in the midst of all that. And something good's about to happen. Something great's about to happen. Now I want you to cry out again to the Holy Ghost.